Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Locked On Braves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Dylan Short, happy to bring you your show on this rainy Thursday afternoon, as we've got a little bit more to talk about. I believe the Braves are off today, but if you watched them last night, uh, Braves managed to come back in the ninth against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a game that featured a lot more home runs than a lot of people probably would have thought, as Mike Soroka got his first taste or his second, I believe it was his second outing of spring training, uh, was motoring along pretty well until he got to the third inning and gave up a two-run shot. Uh, Bryce Wilson, absolutely abysmal yesterday, and it's kind of like what I was talking about on yesterday's show. Uh, a lot of the, the fifth starter guys have been doing well, but really you're starting to see a couple guys drop out, and Bryce is definitely one of those that after yesterday, I would imagine has a long way to go just to break even with a lot of these guys. Now, he has been working on his spike slider, so I don't want to just hammer him a lot. But, I mean, the homers that he gave up were not off sliders. The homers that he gave up were off of a fastball. So um, not not a good day for Bryce Wilson. He needs to start turning it around quick. But I mentioned yesterday that today we were going to focus on the battle for the bench and how a couple guys are really starting to separate themselves. And if you watched yesterday, because you could watch the Pirates broadcast on MLB at bat, or if you go through Reddit, um, you saw Pete O'Brien... Uh, hit an absolute mammoth home run this uh, day or two after hitting another mammoth home run in Tampa Bay. And then you saw him hit another home run later in the game. Pete O'Brien is a guy that has a ton of power. He's a former he's a former top prospect with the Yankees back when he was a catcher uh, before he got traded to Arizona and got moved to the outfield because he really couldn't catch the ball. He was kind of Alex Jackson before Alex Jackson. Is this very highly touted power hitter, this big, strong dude. Uh, just can't really play much defense, so he's moved around a little bit. He's got some corner outfield experience. He's got some catcher experience. He's got first base experience. Uh, really, he's just a, a bench guy, and he's a guy that's spent parts of, of a few seasons with with like the the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. He's never in the Royals, but he's never been able to consistently hit the ball. He's a guy that pretty much always hits under the Mendoza line, but he's got a ton of power. And for this Braves team, when you're talking about having 26 men available now. You can kind of open it up a little bit, and one thing that the Braves are, one thing that the Braves are desperate for that they haven't had in a long time is an actual backup first baseman. So guys like Pete O'Brien and Yonder Alonso essentially have a leg up on the rest of the bench competition because they're they're proficient at a, in an area where they just don't have a backup. Uh, but Pete O'Brien, two homers yesterday, I believe that gives him it's either three or four on on the spring for him, and he's just hitting some mammoth shots. Uh, still strikes out a ton as far as that goes, but. As far as the backup first baseman, as far as the bench roles, he's really starting to separate himself. He's got a lot of the coaching staff and the front office talking about his power. Uh, a lot of people thinking he might just be a little bit of a late bloomer. If he can just make consistent contact, he's got the power to, to drive it out consistently. Yonder Alonso is a guy that the Braves brought in for essentially nothing. He's a guy that's had really good years in the majors before. He's had 30 homer years. Uh, he's had a lot of pop. He's a lefty, which is nice off the bench. Uh, first baseman as well. Has not done well last season or this spring either. He's a, he's squared up a couple balls, but had really nothing to show for it. Um, Yonder's kind of done. If I were if I were to rank these two right now, I would say Pete is probably slightly ahead of Yonder. The fact that you're going to have Marcakis on the bench kind of negates your need for a lefty, and you just end up kind of coming down to the situation of would you rather have 
uh, a lefty backup first baseman. But the whole righty righty first baseman garbage. I don't want to say garbage, but it is true. But the the uh, bias against righty against righty righty first baseman. It doesn't really apply when you're talking about a backup, so I don't really take that into consideration. Alonzo has to start hitting, and he has to start hitting with power. Because right now, O'Brien and Alonzo are essentially the same type of player. O'Brien's a bigger guy. Alonzo's a little bit shorter. But they're both contact-challenged players with big-time power potential. The difference is O'Brien has reached that power this spring, and Alonzo really hasn't reached that power in a couple of years, if we're being honest. So there's still some time for him to turn it on, but he's got to start turning it on quick because I do believe Pete O'Brien is really, really starting to stamp his case on this 26th, uh, 26th roster spot. Now, if they decide to carry Riley and Camargo, then there's your backup first baseman right there, but having some big power off the bench is never going to hurt you. Uh, unfortunately for Charlie Culberson, everybody's favorite utility man is not having a strong spring at all. He's been absolutely abysmal at the plate, and he's been bad in the field where he managed to launch a ball that Bryce Ball had to actually jump up off the bag for. And if you're overthrowing Bryce Ball, who's a literal mountain, uh, that's that's not great. We all root for Charlie. We all want Charlie to perform and to make the squad. But he's not guaranteed of anything, and if they're just going strictly based on merit right now, doesn't look like Charlie's going to make it, barring something big. He's got to have a big last three-week turnaround here. Uh, Adani Echevarria, we haven't really seen him yet. He's been dealing with a little bit of hamstring soreness. He's pretty much assured of a spot. Adani's a guy that, even if his hitting comes back down to earth, and it will, he's not that good of a hitter that he showed last year. He's a guy that plays really good defense and plays multiple spots. And he's the guy that, if you had to have somebody play shortstop long-term, if Dansby were to get hurt, Echeverria is the guy that would be playing shortstop. He's done for the brace before, and he handled that role quite admirably. Um, it doesn't really matter to me how much you see him in camp, quite honestly. He's essentially assured of a spot. You can go ahead and write in uh, a Danny Echeverria. And with that said, we're, these battles that we're talking about, they're really just the 25th and 26th spot on the roster. The rest of the bench really does look fine. So you've always you've got the whichever catcher's not starting, we'll call Flowers. I think Darno is going to be a little bit more of an actual starting catcher, more than the Braves have, have kind of employed in the last couple of years. Uh, you got Flowers, you've got Nick Markakis, you've got uh, Adam Duvall if he makes the roster, or you've got one of Riley or Camargo, whichever doesn't start and don't doesn't get pushed to AAA. Uh, you, you've got some good pieces as backups there. You still have Ender and Ciarte if you're platooning some other places. There's a lot that you can work around with this bench. I actually like this a lot. It, you don't have to immediately go to somebody who shouldn't be starting. Marcakis off the bench is always should always give you a good at-bat. Duvall's got power, and either Riley or Camargo, either one. They're guys that have been very good. Uh, Camargo's case, a very good starter. Austin Riley, in Austin's case, a, a big-time prospect with big-time power. You're talking about having Echeverria as well behind him, and then you're going to have, my guess would probably be Pete O'Brien if, if the... If the decision were being made today, I think it would be Pete O'Brien. Uh, I think he's he's done enough to show that he's got enough power that as long as he makes contact, that ball's going a long way. It helps that he's a guy that's played a lot of first base. Um, so even if you decide that you want to give Riley full at-bats in the minors, then you've got a guy in Pete O'Brien who can actually play first base who's done it before. You're not having to run Nick Markakis out there to first base. So I, th I think that's about what you're looking at. And I feel good about the bench. It's not the Dodgers bench of a year ago where they had like five players on their bench with 20 homers, but this is a much stronger bench than we saw in 2019 and a much, much stronger bench than we saw in 2018. This is a bench that can help out the Braves a lot. All I look for 
all I look for in my bench is, is to be able to get you through a rough patch if somebody is missing time with injury or who can provide good at-bats in their pinch-hitting roles. And the Braves have a very diverse bench. A lot, of, a lot more righties than, than one would think, but with Nick on the bench, that really does help that you've got a lefty who can come up and face, uh, face the right-handed power relievers that people are going to come out with. Um, whether it's O'Brien or, or Duvall or Riley or Camargo, there's power on the bench to go around as well. This is a this is a good, diverse bench that can do a lot of things as long as it's utilized correctly. I'm very happy about it. As I said, I think it's going to be Pete O'Brien that wins the spot, but we got about another two and a half weeks, three weeks left of spring training. We'll see if anybody else can come for that spot and make a claim to it. As of right now, the the man with the soulful eyes is, is in the lead in my mind, and Yonder Alonso, uh, Yonder Alonso on the outside looking in, is we're just getting ready for. Really, I'll say right at about three weeks left of spring training. But when we come back, we're, I'm going to discuss one prospect that you really need to keep an eye on this season in particular. I'm not going to blame you if you haven't heard of him or if you haven't followed him around, but it's about time that everybody starts to know this guy's name. We'll discuss that coming up next, right here on Locked On Braves. Here to talk about one of my favorite players, Ronald Acuna Jr. and the rest of the Atlanta Braves is your host and my good friend, Dylan Short. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As I said before the break, we're going to focus on one prospect in particular. I don't really feel great calling him a prospect because he's almost as old as I am. I've really only got two years on him, but that is Phil Pfeiffer, the lefty out of the pen that you may have seen a couple times this spring. This may have been the first time you've really heard his name. You might have heard him mentioned in passing a couple years ago, particularly if you follow outfieldflyrule.com, which I highly recommend you do if you're looking for uh, more of a blog to follow along. Uh, Pfeiffer is a guy that has been in the organization for quite a while. The former Vanderbilt draftee has been with the Braves since 2015, or actually was uh, picked by the Dodgers, I want to say, in 2015. Uh, came over to the Braves in 2016. Can't remember if that was a trade or if it was more of a, like a free agent pickup. But he's a guy that always has, has he's always done very well with the exception of 2017 and 2018. He's done very, very well at one thing in particular, and that is striking people out. Phil Pfeiffer is a guy that even though he doesn't throw 100 or really even 97, he kind of tops out around 94. He's a guy that actually runs up a ton of strikeouts. Phil Pfeiffer is a guy that when he's working and when he's right, he can strike out a ton of people. And more impressive than that is 2019, where he was in high A. He was a guy that was about to basically he was about to wash out of the organization. He's a guy that could never control his walks. I mean, before last season, he'd never had a FIP. Uh, he'd never had a good FIP aside from a couple blips on the radar where he spent like seven innings and 15 innings in a place. Uh, the last time he'd had a FIP that was under three and he'd actually pitched for a few innings was 2017 in Double A, where he had a 293 FIP uh, across 44 and a third innings. But most of the time, he can't control the walks. That's been his problem. I mean, he's walked at at different points in his career. He's usually will sit around five walks per nine. Plenty of times where he's up over six. Uh, really, the first time that he was consistently under three was his time as a starter last season, where. 
At high A in 92 innings, he had a 2.25 walk per nine rate. His his homer rates have always been fantastic. His worst homer rate was actually the seven innings he spent in Gwinnett last year. But his ability to keep the ball in the park is fantastic. His ability to strike people out is fantastic. It's just been the walks. And if he's able to to actually have a handle on that, I mean, he's kind of cut his walks in half just over the last year. If he's got a handle on that, you're talking about a guy that has starter qualities, went to a school in Vanderbilt that just churns out great pitchers. This is a guy that has a lot riding him, and I'm not going to say that he's a like a, a huge boomer bust type of guy. I believe he's somewhere in the 20s on the Braves' top 30 list. Uh, 20, usually right around 20s, probably around 26, 27. Um, he's 27 years old, 28 years old. He's a guy that you could really see him on the big league club. I mean, if he really does have a handle on the walks, and even this spring, he's got he's been outstanding striking people out this spring. He has struggled with walks, but that's kind of Phil Pfeiffer. If he sits around a three walk per nine, you're fine with it because he's going to strike out ten to twelve per nine. Uh, lefty out of the pen who has a four pitch mix, which for a reliever that's not something that's very common. He's got a fastball, curveball, change, slider. He's got he's got the pitches that he needs, and they're good pitches. They've got good movement on him. His curveball is a nice late breaker. This is a guy that could do some work. He could do some damage. And if Sean Newcomb ends up becoming a starter and finds himself in the starting rotation, then I will not be shocked if you see Phil Pfeiffer in the opening day bullpen. If he's not in the opening day bullpen, I do kind of hope that they keep trying him out as a starter because he was such a good starter at high A. Now, granted, you do have to have the caveat that he was like five years older than the average age of his competition, uh, which is a big deal when you're talking about pitching in Florida. Also, Florida is a pitcher's paradise it's not really great for hitters down there but it's still impressive nonetheless for him to to strike out about 10 per nine and to walk 2.2 and and hardly allow any homers and uh to put up the type of numbers he did really his first season starting in, in a long time that was good to see from him i think phil pfeiffer has some untapped potential here i think he could just be a late breakout guy and he's a guy that we keep saying he's old at 27 realize that's a year older than sean newcomb I mean, that's that's a year younger than Mike Fultonevich. And we still keep talking about Fulte as, as kind of a younger guy or Newcomb as a younger guy. Pfeiffer has some hidden layers to him, and I'm a big fan of what I've seen from him. He's not quite as big as you want to see, but he's got a good, easy release. He knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's looking to do on the mound. He kind of stays within himself. He does a good job of moving the ball around the strike zone, inside, outside, up, down. That's what you're looking for. We're a guy that has strikeout stuff but also knows how to utilize it effectively and utilize four different pitches. Four pitches out of a bullpen guy, that's almost... And if he's if he's able to control all four, that's basically, that's untouchable. That's, that's starter quality stuff. I'm not sure if the Braves are going to look at him as a starter long-term, particularly in our, in, our, uh, in our system where we have so many starting pitchers. But Pfeiffer most assuredly is a guy that the Braves are looking at. I'm not sure what his chances are. If you were to, if you were to tell me that I had to just throw out a number. I'd say he's probably got about a 20% chance, maybe 25% chance. It just depends on Sean Newcomb. Uh, I think you could see it depends on Tucker Davidson as well. I don't think they want to waste Tucker Davidson in the bullpen. Uh, if Newcomb makes the rotation, Tucker starts in Gwinnett, then I think Pfeiffer has a real shot because I think Pfeiffer over Grant Dayton would be pretty pretty good over this point. I think you'd be more likely to see Pfeiffer than Grant Dayton. Uh, just because of the fact that you get a lefty that, that strikes out a lot of people and doesn't have a huge discernible split between his lefties and righties. Um, I think the other main thing for him is just going to be continuing to refine his control. If he's able to 
he I keep coming back to this because this is going to be this is going to be the key for Phil Pfeiffer. He's got to keep the walks under four per nine. If he can keep them under four per nine, Phil Pfeiffer is going to be one of these late-breaking great stories that we hear so much about. If his walks start to tick back up into the five, six range, he's going to be a bust, or I can't really call him a bust. He wasn't a, wasn't, he was a third-round pick of the Dodgers back in 20, 2015. So I wouldn't really call him a bust, but he's a guy that won't be around the majors very long if he ends up getting his walk total back up that high. I'd like to see him maybe kind of work on his ground ball rate a little bit. His ground ball rate has plummeted since 2017. He's, he's used to sit around in the 50s. Uh, he's kind of down under 40% now. Last year he did have a 53%, but again, that was seven and a third innings in Gwinnett. His time in Florida and Mississippi were more indicative of what he kind of is, and uh, he posted a 41 and a 39, which, you know, that's not bad, especially when you look at the fact that he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. In this day and age of baseball, if you can keep the ball in the yard and you can strike people out, that's fantastic. And with Phil Pfeiffer, man, there's a lot to like. There is a lot to like. You just have to get to the point where he can consistently command it. If he does that, everybody loves these stories. The Braves have been very good at these stories. Guys like Evan Gaddis, who who randomly managed to to create a career out of what was assumed to be done. Phil Pfeiffer, same way. Guy with no expectations. He's been he's been on the 40-man for a while, but he's never really been picked up. He's a guy that there's been some mutterings about in the last few seasons, almost like Jacob Lindgren, if you remember that name. But this is finally the year where Pfeiffer can really make some noise and stick with the Major League roster. All right, that's all, time. that's all the time I've got for today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Um, I think I'm going to do one of these a week where I'm going to try to highlight a prospect that... Uh, maybe doesn't get nearly the, the publicity that they should, or, or at least doesn't get uh, as well known as they should. If you guys have a prospect outside of the top 30 or, or kind of an unknown type of guy that you want me to highlight, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. Uh, as it is, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right here on Locked on Braves. Uh-huh.